Hey there, welcome to the Favorite Church Podcast. We are a church for imperfect people who want to know God and make Him famous. In this episode, we'll be revisiting a message from one of our Sundays in church. Let's listen to our senior pastor, James Aiden. So many great things that happen. I hope you were able as well to uh, check out our Good Friday Presence Night as well. That was so amazing to do that with the team. And I'm looking forward to tomorrow's lunchtime chats with my mind. It's going to be good. But I'm going to preach today. And, uh, and I want to open up the Bible. And I want to look uh, in the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 24. And I'm going to read a, a bit of scripture today. And, uh, and then we're going to preach and we're going to pray and, and God's just going to do good things. So why don't you read with me in Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Uh, it says this, that same day, two of Jesus's followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intensely? as you walk along. And they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened here in the last few days. What things, Jesus said? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. They said he was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. And we had hoped he was the Messiah who would come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. And then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb earlier this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. And then Jesus said to him, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering glory? And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And by this time, they were nearing Emmaus and at the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. And as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. And then he broke it and he gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. They found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. You know, today, the title of my message is simply this, Seven Mile Conversation. Seven-mile conversation. I hate walking. If you know me, it is no secret that I hate any type of fitness work or working out. I love sports. I love playing sports. I love doing fitness when there is a purpose attached to it, like putting a ball in the back of the net or putting a ball in a ring or putting a ball over a net. But just to walk, I don't understand it. 
I don't know how people do it. I cannot understand how people just run on a treadmill aimlessly. I can't do it. I remember this one time, Kate and I, early in our marriage, because this hasn't happened you know, since, but early in our marriage, we had a fight. I'm talking a big fight. You know, some married people, they, they, they act all nice. They go, oh, we don't have fight. We have disagreements. Let me tell you, this was a fight. We were driving home from church. Come on now, all you married people, you know the biggest fights you usually have are either on the way to church or on the way home from church. In between, you encounter God. On either end, the devil is just having, you know, a party in your car, right? And so we're going home, and we started fighting. We're fighting about this and that, and it got heated to the point where on the way home, I just, I slammed on the brakes. I got out of the car. I slammed the door, and I said, I'm walking home, and I began to walk. She was in disbelief. She thought I was joking. She thought I'd get back in the car. I didn't. I began to walk. I was angry. You know when you just, you're just so, you're I'm, 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 and I'm walking, and, and, and as I begin to cool off as I walk, I begin to realize that maybe I've made the wrong decision. Not making the wrong decision about slamming the door and getting out of the car, because I was angry, but making the wrong decision about where on the journey home I made that call, because I was still a long way home. And I was dressed in my Sunday's best. I had my Sunday boots on. I had all my nice little things. And so I, I was started walking and I started having pain in my feet. I ended up sitting down. Kate had driven off. And I'm sitting there thinking in my head, I have not made a wise choice. That night, I worked it out. I had to walk 5.5 miles to get home, and it was horrible. I was already angry, made more angry by the fact that I had to walk home. And, and you know what that night did? It emphasized to me that I hate walking. I can't stand it. You know, I did some research on it, and to walk seven miles at a nice, easy pace where you can have an in-depth conversation, it takes about two and a half hours. Jesus had two and a half hours with these two men on the road to Emmaus, walking seven miles to be able to have this conversation in which he told them everything about scriptures concerning himself, all leading to his resurrection, and for them to ultimately have a revelation of who Jesus is. Now listen, I don't have two and a half hours today, even though I wish I could sit here for two and a half hours and talk to you. I don't have that. Uh, But I'm going to try in the limited time I have to take you on the same journey today. So by the end of me speaking, you can see the glory of the risen Jesus. You know, the first thought that I have from this beautiful story, it's actually a question. And my question is simply this today. What are you looking for in the Messiah? What are you looking for in the Messiah? These men, they were disappointed and they were in despair. The Bible talks about how they looked with sadness in their face. They had sadness written across their face when this stranger turned up, and they had hoped that the Messiah would rescue Israel. See, at the time, uh, they were conquered by the Roman Empire, and so they thought that the coming Messiah was going to be one that rode in on a horse, you know, a warrior riding in on a horse to save the nation from being captives to the Roman, uh, the Roman uh, army and the, the Roman nation and be able to set them free. They didn't realize that the Messiah was not there to rescue them from Roman oppression, 
but that the Messiah was there to rescue them from spiritual oppression. You know, Jesus was, in fact, a warrior, but his fight was not against flesh and blood, but it was a battle that the devil thought he won on Friday, but thank God for Sunday because his battle ultimately was won by Jesus. And you know, I want to ask you today, everyone that's watching, what are you looking for in the Messiah? Are you looking for someone that will, you know, give you more money? Are you looking for a Messiah that will help you in your relationships? Are you looking for a Messiah that will make you feel a little bit less bad about some of the bad things that we've done? Maybe a Messiah that will give you more influence or grow your business or, or, or grow, you know, your life and whatever you want. You know, I believe in the blessings of God. Don't get me wrong. I believe that God does bring increase and God does bring blessing. But that's not what I'm looking for in a Messiah. You know, without a relationship with God, I am trapped in my sin. And no matter how successful I am, I will be nothing and I will never be fulfilled without Jesus. You know, my favorite verse in the whole Bible is Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. I love it because it talks about how he, God, has planted eternity in the hearts of man. And what an incredible scripture this is in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, because what it means is, is that there's this God-shaped hole that is in someone's heart. He's planted eternity, which is God, in every person's heart. Whether we realize it or not, it's there. And we spend our whole lives sometimes trying to fill it. Fill it with relationships. Fill it with substances, with money, with career, with hobbies, all these things. But can I tell you, eternity can only be filled by the eternal one, which is Jesus. And these men were full of despair until they realized that Jesus was not dead, but that he was alive. Jesus is the only way to God. The victory over death and darkness, there was no greater victory. He could have saved them all from the Roman captivity, but that would pale in comparison to the victory that Jesus had on the cross. And you know, because of what Jesus did, the Messiah, he made a way for us to come to God. You know, it says in Hebrews chapter 12, 24, it says exactly this. It says, Jesus is there. He has made a way for man to go to God. He gave his blood that men might worship God the new way. You know, now we have a new way of worshiping God because of what Jesus did. We can now come directly into the throne room of heaven because of what Jesus did. And just like these men, maybe today you are helpless. You are full of despair. You're looking around the world at COVID and you're wondering what's going on. Probably more importantly, why is it happening? And you know what? I don't have all the answers for you, but this is what I know is that Jesus is the hope of the world. And through Jesus, just like these men, you can find hope. You can find victory. What are you looking for in the Messiah today? I'm looking for a Savior that leads me directly to my Heavenly Father. You know, the second thought that I want to pull from this story is simply this, is that Easter was not planned. It was, I'm sorry, Easter was planned. It is not a coincidence. 
Easter was planned, it's not a coincidence. You know, my, my little girl, Sienna, I, I love her, and she had her birthday last week. Uh, shout out to my baby girl that's watching right now. I love you. She turned four years old, and we all knew she turned four years old because she told us for months leading up to it that she was going to turn four years old. She had it written on her calendar. She knew that it was coming. She was so excited about this birthday that was coming. And she knew it was coming because she knew as soon as my birthday was over that her birthday was going to be exactly a week after. And so every day she said, Daddy, is it my birthday today? Is it coming? I said, no. She goes, okay. I said, it's, it's in five days. She goes, okay, Dad. And then the next day, Dad, is it my birthday today? She's got a list. Is it my birthday, Dad? I said, no. It's in four days. Okay, Dad. Two, two days later, Dad, Dad, is it my birthday today? I said, no, it's not. She, she, when it became her birthday, she woke up and she said, Daddy, it's my birthday. And I said, it is your birthday. It wasn't an accident. And you know, Easter wasn't an accident at all. It's not like Jesus was accidentally born and he accidentally lived a sinless life and then accidentally turned up on the cross, died for our sins, and defeated the great. It was written throughout the Old Testament. And I love that in the seven-mile conversation, Jesus, the ultimate teacher, would have taken these two men through all the Old Testament scriptures. I can only imagine Jesus going all the way back to Genesis and talking about the fall of man, maybe talking about Genesis 3.15, where it says, I'll cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Talking about the fall of man and the separation between God and men. And then I could imagine him then, and then moving them on to Deuteronomy chapter 18, 15, where Moses talks about that the Lord God will raise up among you a prophet, and he'll be among the Israelites, and you must listen to him. And then he would have taken him on, he would have got to Isaiah. Man, Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, what incredible prophecies of the coming king. Isaiah chapter 7, where it said, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, and behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And what's his name going to be? It's going to be Emmanuel, God with us. And if they still weren't convinced, he would have taken them further on to the most gruesome chapter, probably in the whole Bible, Isaiah 53, where Isaiah begins to talk in detail about the death of Jesus. Maybe he started in verse 3, where he said he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Maybe he took them a few verses later into verse 7, where it said he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. At this point, can you imagine these two met? They would have been like, wait, just, just the other day, you, you didn't say anything. You, didn't, you went like a lamb to the, to the slaughter, but maybe they weren't convinced, so Jesus would have kept going. Maybe Jesus would have taken them to Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, where Zechariah prophesied and said, I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the family of David and on the people of Jerusalem, and they will look on me whom they have pierced and mourn for him as an only son. They will grieve bitterly for him as a firstborn son who has died. Can you imagine these men by the end of this? You know, scholars say, many scholars agree that Jesus actually fulfilled over 300 different prophecies in the Old Testament. That's almost impossible to do. 
Well, it's impossible unless you're the one that they're prophesying about. And Jesus took these men through showing that Easter wasn't an accident, that it was planned, that God had this in mind, that Jesus going to the cross and dying on our sins was the plan for us to have relationship with God. I mean, Jesus knew his betrayal was coming. All you have to read is in the Bible where it talks about his experience in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he began to sweat drops of blood because of the pressure he was under because he knew what was about to happen. Yes, Jesus fully God, but as well fully man, and he felt every whip, every punch, every bruise. He knew what was coming, and every time he was punched, every time he was whipped, every time he was spat on, every time he had a thorn pushed into his skull, every time one of those nails went through his hands, he was thinking of you, and he was thinking of me. This was not an accident. It was planned. Jesus knew it was coming, and he did it for you and me. My last thought and my final thought that I want to bring from this story that I love is simply this. Jesus was revealed when he broke bread. Jesus was revealed when he broke bread. Suddenly, it says, their eyes were open when he broke bread. Why? Because he had just done it a few nights earlier. The Last Supper, he'd been there with the disciples, with close people around, and, and he'd broken the bread, and he blessed the bread. Do this in remembrance of me. And you know what I find amazing about this is that once he broke the bread, they recognized him, and the moment they recognized him, they couldn't help but share about him. You know, I want to ask you this question. Can you share about Jesus? Because if you know Jesus, then you won't be able to help but to share about him. When you know Christ, you can't help but share about Jesus and what he's done in your life and what he's done in the lives of those around you. Can I tell you today that if you're in the middle of a seven-mile walk, maybe you're watching him, you're in the middle of despair. Maybe you're in the middle of sadness. Maybe right now in the middle of this whole COVID situation, you don't understand what's going on. You're feeling anxious. You're feeling fear. And, and maybe you feel like you're walking alone. Do you know what? You're not walking alone. There's a stranger walking beside you. He's just waiting for you to recognize him. His name is Jesus. And he's with you. And he loves you. And it is no accident that he is here. And it's no accident that you are watching this today. You know, maybe you stumbled upon our, our service today. Maybe you're a part of our church. You shared it with one of your family members. And I want to say this. Just like it was no accident that Jesus found those two men on the road to Emmaus, it's no accident that right now you found this service and you're watching me preach to you right now. In a moment, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take communion. And we're going to break bread, just like Jesus did. And we're going to drink a juice. And maybe you don't have bread. I don't know what you have. I hope you're prepared for this. If you're not, you can either press pause or you can quickly run right now to the kitchen. But I want you to get anything. There, there's nothing holy about the type of bread, biscuit, 
ice cream even. It doesn't even matter what it is, right? Because there's nothing holy about that or the type of drink, whatever it is. What is holy is the symbolism of what it represents. The, this right here, this little cracker, this represents the body of Jesus that was broken for me and for you. This, this cup of juice, this represents his blood that was poured out for you and for me. And before we eat and drink and do this in remembrance of Jesus, I want to give every person an opportunity to make sure that as you take communion, you take communion in right relationship with Jesus. See, if you don't have a relationship with him, then taking communion is really, it's just a snack. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you take communion, make sure you get the best food in your house right now because all you're doing is having a snack. Remembering what Jesus did can only come from a place of relationship. And how do you get that relationship? Paul talks about in Romans chapter 10 in the Bible, he says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Why do we need to confess our sin? Because our sin is what separates us from God. And a price needed to be paid for our sin. And because of Easter, because Jesus died on the cross, it was his death and resurrection that paid the price. It was the penalty that paid our sins. That now we have access straight to God. There is no other way, Jesus says, that you can get to God except through him. You can't buy your way there. You can't be a good person. I don't care how many, you know, uh, good things you're doing, even giving food to the poor in this season. And those things are great. Don't stop them. But that won't get you any closer to God. The only thing that can get you to God the Father in a relationship is admitting and confessing what Jesus Christ did on the cross, asking him to forgive you of your sins. So right now, wherever you are, I want to ask you, do you know Jesus? Maybe you've never made a decision before to accept him as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here, you made a decision a long time ago, but you walked away from Jesus. I want to give you a chance to respond before we take communion today, together. So if that's you right now, I just want you to close your eyes. And if you want to pray that prayer with me, I'd love you to, to put your hand on your heart. And I'm going to say these words, and I want you to repeat these words after me as we pray this prayer. And dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I ask you to forgive my sin. I confess that you died on the cross, but after three days, you rose victorious, defeating grave and defeating all my sin. So I ask you, Jesus, please come into my life. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and be my best friend. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. You know, that's the greatest decision that you've ever made. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you prayed it again after a long time you've walked away from God, I want to congratulate you. That is the greatest single thing that you can ever do in your life. And we'd love to know that you made that decision. Please text us at our number or contact us, private message us on one of our social media channels because we would love to connect with you and really 
help explain that decision and help you just like Jesus helped these two men understand who Christ was. We really want to help you understand who Jesus is and what it means to be a Christian. But come on right now. I hope that you're ready. I hope that you have your communion because we're going to take communion together all over the world right now, digitally, wherever you are. I want you to get whatever you have representing his body and whatever you have representing his blood. And I just want to pray right now. God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross, that your body was broken, that this this biscuit that I'm eating represents your body broken and bruised for me. I thank you for your blood that was poured out, that was shed. And as I eat and drink, I don't do it, God, being somber, but I do it victorious, knowing that you defeated the grave, knowing that you died but rose again from my sins. And so I eat and I drink, and I do it in victory today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, why don't we eat and drink together? Right where you are, if you can, I would love you just to begin to speak out and just begin to thank Jesus. Just begin to thank Jesus for what he's done. Begin to thank him that you're still alive. Begin to thank him that you just had food that you could eat. Begin to thank him for the family that maybe you're surrounded with or maybe the friends or family that you're watching this online with in a Zoom party or something. Whatever it is, come on, just begin to thank Jesus. Thank him for his grace. We thank you for your mercy, Jesus. We thank you for your forgiveness and all that you have done. We love you, Jesus. Thank you so much for listening in. At Favorite Church, we're a family, and we believe that the Christian journey should not be done alone. If something really spoke to you from the message, we would love to connect with you to talk it over. Or if you prayed the salvation prayer, we'd also love to be able to share more about the decision that you've just made. Please visit us at next to learn more. If you want to share this podcast with a friend, simply tap on the share button and send it through. We love you. We're praying for you. Till next time.